this is our Monday night prayer meeting. Um, we've been uh, doing prayer requests here tonight. We've uh, had many. There's many in our churches sick, and we uh, we just had an anointing service for them, and it was it was already good. It's already good. We felt the spirit. I did. I felt the spirit here tonight already, and we had every. I think every person in here's had a prayer request, and we lifted up prayers for for everybody that was here. There was many of us. Um, and there's a lot in our churches sick, and so we we prayed for you guys. Um, we prayed that, that the Lord would heal you, and and I believe and trust in trust in in the Lord and what His Word teaches us. And so we've had our, uh, our, this is all about the Monday night, and it's all about the prayers and coming together, uh, praying for one another, lifting up one another, and and praying, coming in one mind and one accord. That's what we're supposed to do, right? That's what the Lord teaches us to do come in one mind and one accord so that we can see people get saved and, and see people get healed and, and, and the Lord can help us because uh, we are all in desperate need of help. But um, got Brother Billy McCormick's going to be with us tonight. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's got in store for us. Um, we always, you know, we, we do prayer. So if you got a prayer request and you want us to remember it, um, put it on the program and um, we will promise you we will pray for you. Uh, and your family and whatever the need may be but uh, you know pray for our pastor he's been sick he's been sick yesterday he's got the flu um, we've been praying for him and he's he's slowly getting better but and you, you know when you get, you get sickness like that sometimes you have good days and bad days and I think today he didn't we didn't feel as well so we're going to be we know we got anointed I got anointed for him tonight and I, I feel like God's going to hear uh, our prayers and um you know, if, if we didn't believe in prayer, then why would we come and pray? You know, it, it does no good if you don't believe in them. I mean, you're just wasting air. If you know, if you just if you pray and you don't believe in that prayer, you're just wasting time and wasting air. So I'm believing that God's going to hear and answer our prayers. Um, so we must have that faith that Jesus teaches us about. You know, the faith of a grain of mustard seed that can move mountains. And every one of us has got a mountain in our life that we need sometimes uh, removed. And if we don't believe and trust in that, then we're wasting time. And we don't need to be wasting any time. Uh, God's got, uh, his plan is laid out and his plan is going to be, and his will is going to be done no matter what. And um, what I think about it or what, Everybody here thinks about it. It's God's will and it's going to be done. Uh, and it's either you're going to be with God or you're going to be against God. You can't serve two masters. Too many times the church and, and people today, they try to serve the world and they try to serve God. And God says in his word that you can't do that. You know, he says you're either going to love one or hate the other. And too many times in this day and time they, they try to say, well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'm going to do this. But I'm also going to do this. Well, you're trying to serve two masters, and you can't do that. You're either going to love one and hate the other. And so we got to say, you know, it's either going to be God's way or my way, and you can make the choice. The choice is yours. God give us that choice, Randall. He says you can do it my way and, and receive blessings, or you can do it your way and you end up with the consequences and the judgment. I don't know about y'all, but I just seem to go God's way. It's a lot better. I've tried, but I have tried both ways, Randall, and I've come to find out that my way didn't do, is not good. I've did it for years, 
and it was it never turned out like I wanted it to. I thought I could make fix things and do things to what I thought would be right, and I found out every time that I try to do it, I messed up. But when I do try to do God's way and do God's will and live for God, that things work out. So I've tried it. You know, He teaches us try try the spirits. Well, I've tried them, and I can tell you with confidence. God's way is better. I can tell you with confidence. And so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Um, like I said, if you've got a prayer request, put it on there. And we will be faithful to pray for you. And um, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to give it to Brother Billy. And uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. Okay? Amen. So bow your heads. Dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name tonight. Lord, we're so thankful that God that we can come to your house Lord, we have that freedom, and we take that for granted. God, I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad to be a part of my family, to be here in fellowship with one with another. And, Lord, there's many that couldn't be here. Lord, we, we prayed for them just a little bit ago. And I'm going to believe and trust in that prayer being heard, and, and, and then your will be done, and you're going to answer those, those prayer requests. God, I thank you for that. I'm going to claim it. And it's what you teach us in your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless Brother Billy tonight as he's going to stand, Lord. I pray that you'll anoint him, hide him behind the cross, Lord. And get, feed us tonight through your word what we need to let us grow and get closer to you, Lord. That's what we all need. We need to get closer, especially in this day and time, Lord. We see the world just completely crumbling and before our eyes. But, God, I know that our redemption is drawing nigh when we see these things happening. And, Lord, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that, Lord, I love you. And I'm so glad that you love me first. And I pray that you'll just bless this service tonight and be with Brother Billy and bless him. And we thank you for all you do. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Billy. Absolutely. <laughs> there we go. Everybody got me? All right, I figured that I can hear myself out yonder. Um, well, number one, let me say um, it's good to be back. And um, I do appreciate each and every one of you that's come out, um, especially to hear somebody like me. It truly is appreciated. Um, but also, I mean, as Marty mentioned there just a second ago, you know, I'm sure there would be others here as well, but it's just that time of year, y'all. We all know that. We've had it going through our house some as well but nonetheless we're all here and um that's what matters we're the ones that's supposed to be here this evening and i've got one more no he still ain't quite coming he he'll be here in a minute but that's all right um something i did want to say before we actually get into the word um kind of come to me on the way here is you know a lot of times we come into god's house and i know we come in and we're supposed to be and the mindset and everything to come and worship in spirit and in truth. But let's be honest. How many of us sometimes bring some of that nasty mess out there in here? And we, we try to come in and have, you know, great, wonderful, spirit-filled services, and it don't happen. You don't know why? Because of us. Um, and, you know, hey, I've been guilty more times than I care to mention. But, you know, just as, you know, something that kind of come to me, again let me put it that way is you know when we come in here y'all just be emptied out 100 percent emptied out i mean 
whether you come up to the altar and pray before the service starts or whether you know you're you're getting in the prayer requests with your own prayers but also don't forget to get your sins out of the way in that process as well um, and then you can be free then each and every one we can be free to you know worship to to what in whatever form that may be whether it's singing preaching teaching shouting testing it don't matter um, but you can't do that when you're burdened down with stuff you can't do that I've tried it and it don't work. Marty's already getting into some of what I got right here in just a minute, but that's part of it as well. You know, trying to do things your own way, it rarely, if ever, works out for anyone as far as that goes. Um, anyway, that being said, Romans chapter 12 tonight, y'all. Um, Romans 12. And I've got a, well, there's a bookmark from Grace. Happy Father's Day. Long, long time ago. How about that? Um and my little heart she made for me yesterday, I stuck in there in chapter 8. That's my spot. But um, I, I'll be honest with y'all. I came, um, when, when Butch first asked me last week to uh, to speak tonight, of course I knew I was going to be on call and everything. I said, well, that's fine. Well, I jotted something down. I don't know. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday morning last week. Just something to go back and look at. And I just kind of let it simmer and everything. And I went back and looked at it. and said, like, yeah, that's good. You know, that's fine. Well, I was on the way to church yesterday, and um, <laughs> was listening to a preacher on the way to church, and I got to listening, and I caught one point of what he said, and I was like, ooh, i got to get to church real quick. I need to write that down. I can use that tomorrow. I, that's, that's good. Well, I jotted some stuff down, took it home yesterday, and I'm looking at some stuff yesterday, looking at some stuff today. I, I, I was off work today, y'all. I didn't even know I was off work till about 1030. I done been sitting there working. <laughs> I mean, but... Uh, Anyway, I got to looking at it and some of the other stuff. I've never been off on President's Day in 25 years of working. Never been off. But anyway, um, got to looking at it and looking at some of the other stuff. And actually, one thing that I had originally written down is actually just on the opposite page from where I'm at. Um, and what I was looking at, I said, ah, no, not really so much. And I got over here where we're actually going to be. I told you all Romans 12, didn't I? Romans 13, I'm sorry. Um, I just looked up and seen 13. I was like, wait a minute, Bill, you messed up right there. But um, when I got to looking at this, it's, I believe it's very fitting. I believe it's very appropriate. I've got a couple of chicken scratch notes right here that I may or may not use. I don't know. That's just kind of how it, it works. Um, but one, two, I've got four verses I want to read, uh, Romans 13. Um, the last four verses of the chapter, as a matter of fact. Verse number 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, this particular passage is kind of special to me, um, number one, because it's in my favorite book. But number two, um, because the very first time that I looked at this piece of scripture right here, seriously looking at it, was a time it's been, I don't know, Grace was probably two maybe I guess back when I was going to church at the previous place I was before we came here and then um, the pastor at the time we were going to have like a men's thing a men's camping out on the river thing one night we did 
And he pulled all those preacher boys together. He said, I want every single one of y'all to be prepared to preach. But I got one stipulation. You got no notes. You get no notes. I want you to preach, but I better not see a note one nowhere. Okay, that's fine. Get down there, and long story short, I preached this passage of scripture right here on a white oak stump that's bigger than this chair out in a river bottom smack dab in the middle of Rhonda, North Carolina. Um, somewhere around midnight, I guess. I don't know. It was kind of late. It might have been later than that. But anyhow, something happened that night with me. Um, it's one of those moments that, you know, as far as I'm totally off course here, but I'm just going with it. Um, that as a preacher, you know, you kind of come to and it's like you're either going to just relax and let me do this or you're going to continue to fight me and do this your way. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. And I'll be honest with y'all, that night I just 100% let go. And whatever it is that changed in me that night is been a major player a building stone if you will rock stepping stone whatever to who you're looking at tonight which ain't much but you know it was just so free to know that we're sitting down there in a river bottom in the middle of basically nowhere just preaching up a storm and what it was when i got to looking at this passage of scripture got to talking to me speaking to me i mean just like the word of god does and i really started clicking with what it was really telling me um you know, y'all have heard it said many times, you know, you can read passages of Scripture for umpteen times ever, how many years, whatever, and you still go back and you get something else new out of it. I was talking to one of my co-workers today about actually um, something in, uh, what was it, Titus. Um, I was talking about over there, and he made mention of something. I'd never thought about it that way before, but made perfectly good sense. But anyhow, that night, um, you know, a lot of this stuff just kind of started coming to life with me, and... It's just, it's good, and I'll say this and I'll move on. Um, I've been doing a, a pretty in-depth study um, through First Peter, like I've told y'all before, on how our relationships and encouragements should be with the brothers and sisters in Christ, not just, you know, with every one of us sitting right here. Of course, that is obviously the application, too. But churches everywhere, it don't make no difference where they are. Um, and how, you know, the times that we're looking at, how bad they are. But if you read your Bible, you know that this is just the beginning. We ain't, nowhere, we ain't there yet. Don't get me wrong, the Lord could step out and call us all home right now. And hallelujah, that'd be fine with me. Just, just put down all the cares of this world and be done. Go on. Um, but having said that, you know, kind of what we're looking at right here tonight, Paul in my studies and the way that I look at this is basically kind of telling the believers there at Rome, you know, how we need to act in front of the public eye, if you will. Now, I know there's a lot of different places that, you know, you can pull that idea from, but if you look at what he's trying to say um, right here to the church at Rome, of course, we all know that was towards the end of his ministry, um, he, he makes a lot of good points with what he's saying. Look at verse number 11. He says that knowing the time, well, we just talked about that just a minute ago, right? Is there anybody in this building that doubts that the times that we're looking at has got to be at least the very last few days? 
If you doubt that it is, please read your Bible and reread it and reread it again until you get it. Um, Because everything that the Lord told us, everything that Paul wrote about, everything that was revealed to John, some of these things, we're looking at it. We're looking at it. Um, And some of it is so close, you could probably physically smell it if you actually wanted to. That's just where we are. Um, But knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now, to think about this, the way Paul's putting it, and kind of some of the stuff that came to me earlier, we're to do everything. And I mean everything that we do down here in this life with the thought of, you know, the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what do you mean, Billy? Well, number one, the Bible clearly tells us that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak. That goes for whatever I'm saying here right now. That goes for whatever you say at work. It goes for whatever you say to someone when you think no one else is around. (laughs) Don't think that it's not getting put down. Okay, now I didn't say you was going to go to hell and lose your salvation because you said something you shouldn't have said. That ain't what I'm talking about at all. But each and every one of us will give an account for it. And I believe that if we would look down the road beyond, you know, the, the nose on our face and understand these things, we would all get a tighter grip on where we, not only just get a tighter grip on where we need to be, but we would try our best to maintain that grip of being righteous, of being holy, doing things right regardless of what you may feel. Hallelujah right there. Regardless of what you may want to do, regardless of what you may want to say to somebody, you can't do that. Why? Because this world out here, y'all, is just, I mean, they're chomping at the bits to look at somebody and point a finger and say, see, right there it is. And if you think they're not looking at you, you're wrong. I promise you, somebody is looking at every person, looking at every person, In this building, not only here, whoever's watching, whoever may see this when it gets shared and whatnot, it doesn't make any difference, y'all. Somebody, even if it's just one, is looking and watching. So if we take into account the simple fact that, you know, everything we say, everything we do, our actions, they're all going to be weighed out, of course, in works and tried, you know, by fire, wood, hay and stubble, whether it's going to be burned up or whether it's going to make it through. Uh, I believe that would help each and every one of us to you know, strive to be a little tighter to the Lord. And if there's ever been a time that we need to do that, it's right now. I mean, what I had originally, or what I thought yesterday, and here we go, notes is going to the side. Um, what I had heard in the message yesterday that I was talking about was that the preacher was talking about trials and things like that, and I, I've been hitting on a lot of that lately because I've been going through a lot lately. Um But he said, you know, one of the things that a lot of people seem to misunderstand or fail to grasp is the fact that they always think they're alone. And, you know, I'm over here, I'm on this little teeny tiny island, and I'm over here and I'm having to deal with this. And, yeah, Lord, I get it. You know, I know you promised you'd never leave me, you'd never forsake me. But why do I feel like you're not here? Why Why do all these people do this? Why, why, why this, 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 and this? Well, the point that he come out and made was, you're not alone. You, the devil wants you to think that you're alone and that you're just all in your misery and everything else, but you're not. There are other people that are enduring things just the same as you. 
They may not be as vocal about it. They may be better at hiding it, but they're still there. So don't ever think we're alone. And also, it kind of ties in with this as well, I guess, in a roundabout way right here. Because what he's talking about, going back to verse number 11, um, you know, it's for, well, every out of word, I don't got that. But what we're looking at, now it's high time to awake out of sleep. Now, <laughs> it's somewhat of a rhetorical question, I guess you would say, but it's kind of obvious that the church, and I'm talking about the church, not just local assemblies, I'm talking about the church, it's pretty much been lulled to sleep for a long time. Um, I know my brother-in-law Hank has mentioned it many times before. He says, you know, that, that how he's how the devil has done that, especially in America, is he's pro- prospered America. Go back, I think I've mentioned it here before, but if you go back and you look, especially after World War II, America's prosperity has just boomed and skyrocketed. But what has happened to the morality since then? It's completely jumped off a cliff. People talk about, well, you know, it wasn't, you know, the churches were this and churches were that back in the 50s and 60s and things like that. I get it. I'm not throwing off on them then. But that was the beginning of the downfall. Now, I've heard people such as, I mean, my own pastors admitted it. So, you know, in his opinion, he thinks their generation is the one that's dropped the ball. Um, and the reason being is because that generation raised my generation well. And I know several people, you know, in, well, I don't necessarily want to say in my circle, so to speak, because I, I see them in passing and maybe at a ball game or something say, hey, but we're not really in the same circle that we used to be, let me just put it that way, that they could care less about anything to do with the Lord. I mean, it makes no they don't care. Um, but, you know, we need to wake up, y'all. we got to wake up because the longer we... Let me ask you this. Is there anybody in here that likes to hit the snooze button on their alarm? All right, just, just let me just, just for... Just for just so I can giggle a little bit here. Has anybody does it more than three times? What about four? I mean any day. What about five? <laughs> That's this guy right here. Um, I know some people, you know, they set different alarms and everything. I just keep hitting snooze. But anyway, you know, sleeping is good. To me, one of the best quality, at least in my head, of sleep is when you're kind of awake, but you know you don't quite have to get up yet, but you know you have to at some point. You're just like, ah, I so want bed, feels so good, and all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? The exact same thing is going on in the church. And it's like everything feels good, everything looks good. I know I need to do this and this and this, but I got time to do it because I can hit snooze four more times before I actually have to get up and do something. Well, guess what, y'all? Paul plainly wrote out right here that our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Well, guess what? That means several different things, but, you know, it's actually talking about the rapture, yes, um, that the Lord is going to be coming very soon. But you can also look at it along those same lines as, you know, I may not be here tomorrow. I may not be here, what is it? 6.55, 6.55, I may not be here at 7.30. Just to be honest with you, I may not finish what we're talking about. So the best thing that I can do is try to wake up 
and understand what the Lord wants to do with me, how He wants to speak through me, and some of the things that He wants to accomplish through me. Rather than keep hitting that snooze button and saying, yeah, Lord, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. What if you never get to it? What if you miss, I, I know most of us probably got iPhones, what if you miss the snooze button and you hit the off button? Anybody ever done that? Oh yeah, that's what I figured. Then what? Because if you miss that spiritual snooze button and you hit the off button instead, guess what? You will give an account for a whole lot when you stand before the Lord one day. And you're, I don't want to make this personal, but I'm just saying there's going to be a lot of people standing up there that says, well, this, and but this, and well, this, and well, that. Ain't going to work. I mean, you can talk to your pastor, you can talk to a deacon, anybody else you want to, and you can kind of slide some things under the rug right then, and you may pull it over them, but you ain't pulling it over on God. Okay? And laziness, slothfulness as well, it's also put that way, is one of the things that God hates, y'all. And I'm going to be honest with you, and you know, some of you that are around my age, you know, you can probably agree, at least somewhat, you know, sometimes it feels good to be a little lazy. It just does. Why? Because you put some time in. You've, you've done this. You've done that. I mean, I ain't going to say, you know, that I come home from work and I take off and I hit everything running. No, I like to take my boots off and chill out for a minute or 20 or give or take, you know. But I still know there's things that still need to be done. There's, you know, if, if we're going to have whatever we're having for supper, you know, something needs to be laid out, thought out, and I'm kind of thinking along those processes and stuff like that. And, you know, the work must continue. So you can take a break. That's fine. But what we can't do is go to sleep. We can't do that. And the church is already there. But it's our responsibility, as far as that goes, to try to help wake others up. Why? Because, again, you know, what the outside world out there looks at is it's like, you people say you're against this. And you people say you're for that. and it's, But where are you? I don't see you doing anything. You're saying all these things, and it sounds real good, but I don't see nothing. I've not. You said this change has been brought about in your life. I'm getting ahead of myself, but where is it? You still are the same Billy that I once knew. Y'all, God have mercy on me. If I walk into somebody that I went to high school with, and they laugh and say, "Well, you, you know, no, nothing's ever changed about you. You're still the same old Billy." If that's the case, the best thing I can do is hit my knees right there and beg God to forgive me because I'm supposed to be different than that. And actually, I am. Um, thank the Lord. It wasn't me. But matter of fact, one of, um, I, I'll say this and <laughs> move on. One of Braden's friends' daddy went to school with him. I won't mention names. Don't worry, son. Um, went to school with him. And, you know, the last time, you know, they was hanging out over his house, you know, they got to talking. Braden said, well, you know, my daddy's a preacher. And he said, do what? You know, I, I'd have never believed that Billy McCormick would have been a preacher. I said, well, you know, praise the Lord for that right there. I mean, Nicole said the same thing. Um, and others have said similar things. But that's just proof of what God can do in somebody's life. And, y'all, I've restricted the Lord, limited some in what he can do. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But anyway, move on, Bill. You, you're about to get meddling over here. Um, <laughs> it's just sorry y'all it just kind of is what it is verse number 12 he says the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light now night 
And that's right, as far as spent time, based on some of the studies, some things that I picked out, you know, earlier today, and I jotted down right quick, this time is actually talking about up until the resurrection, what Paul's talking about right here. I really never thought about it this deep before, y'all. I, I just didn't. It's like, hmm, kind of makes you scratch your head, but okay, I can see what I can see that. All right. Well, and the, the day that he's talking about is a time after it, between you know, after the resurrection, but day and night, both of these just being symbolic of things past and things of what are. And I was like, you know, I really, really never thought about it that way, but that doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, and, you know, like I said, spoken of as, you know, old and former things. Um, as clothes, and there's something I really want to bring out on this point right here. Um, as clothes, it can be taken off and thrown away. Now, I'm not one of these people that has, well, I got one closet I need to go through. Let me just put it that way. Um, way too many clothes, okay? Now, the Lord's blessed me, don't get me wrong. But, you know, clothes can be dirtied up. They can be washed. They can be thrown away, things like that. Well, as we go through this life, y'all, we pick up things. We get dirty. That's why we still have altars everywhere at, at every church. That's why we still have a Holy Ghost inside of us that tells us, hey, you know, that's not right. You need to, you need to, me and you, come on, we need to talk about this for just a minute, okay? That's why that is. But something that I never caught until earlier is the way that this is worded. Um, he says, let's therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Well, these works of darkness, if you look at it um, from a physical standpoint, I guess, like I mentioned the clothes there a second ago, you know, you can take off your clothes and you can do this and do that, but if you're looking at the darkness as just clothes, look at what the last part of that verse says. What does it say? It says, and let us put on the armor of light. Now, what's the difference between just clothes and armor? Protection. Protection. There is a lot more value. There's a lot more substance. There's a lot more protection there in the armor of light than there is just simply the clothes that's on your back. And I don't, you know, it's kind of ironic. You know, there's only two things that the Lord ever promised us. Food and raiment. He didn't tell us you're going to have a 6,000 square foot house. He didn't tell you you're going to make $200,000 a year. He didn't tell you you're going to have a brand new truck in the driveway every other year either. But as Americans, as asleep as we are, don't we think that's what we're supposed to have? You deserve it. You work hard. I mean, you know, you deserve that. Go ahead. Sign that note and get you a $1,400 a month car payment. Go ahead. I'll, just, I'll toss this out here without getting too personal. That's twice my mortgage. Okay, uh, it's just where it is. It ain't no way in the world I'm refinancing nothing like that of mine. I'm sitting good as far as my house payment goes. I ain't moving nowhere for a while. Um, but clothes be taken off, thrown away. You know, let me ask you a question on these, these clothes. And you can answer it inside yourself. You don't have to necessarily answer it out loud. But what bad habits do you have that need to just simply be taken off and thrown away? Don't tell me that you don't have them, y'all. I mean, realize where you're sitting if that's what you're thinking. Don't, <laughs> don't do that, especially not in here. Because, y'all, there's stuff that I know that I need to get rid of. And 
you know, I, I, if I wasn't saved, I wouldn't know it because the Holy Ghost is the one that reveals it to me. And, you know, I, this particular, these verses, I wrote a message a long time ago. I think I mentioned it one time. But I entitled it Chunk the Junk. And that's just right there is where it comes from. Basically, verse number 12, get rid of all the junk that you don't need. That's causing you to be less than what you know you can be for God. Every single one of us in here could point to at least one thing right now that needs to go. It don't matter. I mean, I know mine. You know, I this. You know, I'm not going to. It says for me to confess my faults, not my sins, to one another. So you know, I don't. I don't want to hear every little detail of what you may or may not have done. The more than you want to hear details of me, okay? But the Lord does want to hear it. And you know, like I said, you know, we've got altars. We can get rid of that stuff. People get rid of stuff sitting in a pew, standing, whatever, that's fine. The, the, the important thing is, is get rid of it. Yeah. Not only get rid of it, but do your best to move forward, leaving it behind you. Don't, you know, don't leave it somewhere in a closet or a, an attic where you know where it is and you can go back and grab it up again next year. Well, I'm going to need that. No, 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 no. If the Holy Ghost has told you you don't need it, you don't need it at all. Period. So, but we all have a bad habit of, you know, doing some of this stuff. Um, verse number 13. He says, Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Something that I wanted us to, to look at right here is the way he begins this verse. He says, Let us. So obviously we know in context he's speaking to believers, us. Because when you say us, you're including yourself. Um, that's just basic English. But he says to walk honestly. He doesn't say to run. I know in a couple other places Paul talks about he's run his race and things like that. That's fine. But right here he says let us walk honestly. Because y'all, if you think about it, you don't run everywhere every day. That's not, how you, that's not how you go about your daily business, is it? I know it ain't me. I mean, look at me. You can tell that. Um, but he says, let us walk. In other words, when we're walking, we're, we're being a little more conscious of, conscious of what we're doing, what we're saying, and we're allowing the Holy Ghost to speak to us rather than simply running from point A to point B saying, I'm going to do this my way. This is the way I want to do it. And I'm going to get it done yesterday. Anybody here ever made that mistake? I have. Um, it's never worked out for me. And I hate to say it, but you know I've seen other people do the exact same thing. And guess what? It didn't work for them either. And sometimes it gets to a point to where, you know, there's the grain of salt, if you will, that gets rubbed into the wound is about the size of a tennis ball, I guess, because it hurts. I mean, it hurts bad. But what does salt do? It purifies. Okay, that's what it's supposed to do. I'd much rather have my fi finely ground table salt just trickled in a wound than, you know, big chunks of things. But God's going to do whatever he's going to do. Walking honestly. I mean, y'all, this is kind of a, a no-brainer. You know, there should never be anything called a dishonest christian well number one it, it's it's impossible you can't do that because if you call yourself christian that's christ-like well christ was never dishonest about anything 
Never, nowhere. You say, well, what about if I do this? What about if I do that? Let me just tell you how tight this thing can get. There's this thing that's been called, and I've heard it all my life, called Little White Lies. I know every one of y'all has heard this, and I, you know, I don't want to kick a dead horse right here, but a little white lie is still a lie. It's a lie, and God hates a lying tongue. We know this. Now, I know a lot of people get in trouble sometimes when they kind of go with where I'm about to go with this, but <laughs> if you don't want me to tell you something, don't ask. Don't, please, because I'm either going to not answer you or <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth as best I see it. Now, my kids can vouch for this. They've seen, you know, I've, I've told them some things they didn't want to hear sometimes. I've told my wife some things that she didn't want to hear sometimes, and it did not go over well. I mean, much worse than a lead balloon, but, you know, she knows that I'm not going to lie to her. She know, my kids know that I'm not going to lie to them. I've done some stupid things before. Yeah, own it and roll on. I mean, what else can you do? But don't lie about it. Because especially out here in the world, y'all, if you let one little white lie go in front of someone, guess what you just did? You just destroyed your witness and your testimony in front of them. You say, well, it's just a little white lie. I don't care. A lie is a lie. And people need to understand that. It's... I'm a realist, y'all. I don't see the, the best in everybody, though lots of people in my circles tell me that. I know a lot of people sitting here choose to, to see things that way, and I'm not throwing off on nobody for doing that. It's just I see things for what they are. It's not I don't see the negative side of things all the time, but I assure you I don't see the positive side all the time either. It is what it is. And, you know, you can't make it one way or the other. That's just the way my brain thinks. That maybe I'm just weird, but that's just me. Y'all just love a weird man, okay? But he says, let us walk honestly as in the day. Let me flip over here and see if I'm missing anything out right here. Just quite simply, walk like you're a child of God. I mean, it, it really is that simple. You, I mean, to walk, how does one walk like a child of God? If Jesus would have done it, do it. If Christ would not have done it, don't do it. I mean, Paul makes some um, some other references in places talking about, you know, he, not bragging, but he's laying out, you know, the accomplishments that he's made and talking about, you know, that he would have people to follow him. And that's right. That's fine. I, I hope that my children can follow me. I hope others can follow me in my daily walk as far as that goes. But ultimately, my walk needs to point towards Christ. I don't want somebody acting just like Billy because they think Billy is the greatest thing since sliced bread because I assure you, Billy is not, okay? Billy is just simply trying his best to do what he feels like the Lord would have him to do. Does he make mistakes? Yes. Does he misinterpret things and get things wrong? Of course he does, but so do all of you, okay? And we're here to help each other make it home, at least I, that's what I hope anyway. But, you know, he's, he's just essentially talking about, you know, just don't be like the world. It, it's very simple. Talking about, you know, when we get in here and riding and drunkenness, riding, you know, we look at our, I'm not going to say our political places, but in our country, let me just put it that way. You see, right, people will riot and do stupid stuff over anything at the drop of a hat. 
A child of God should never be in the mix of any of that kind of stuff. Shouldn't. You say, well, what about if they're doing this and they're doing that about, you know, damaging the cause of Christ? Okay. Well, let me ask you this. How much rioting did the people who died throughout the medieval period and, you know, those ages through their Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you've ever read either one of those books, there's one and two. Um, how much rioting did they do? They didn't. They simply counted it a joy and a privilege to be able to be burned at the stake for Christ's sake. They didn't go about trying to smack and beat everybody and try to make them be a Christian. You can't make anybody be a Christian. Y'all know that, right? You can tell people, you know, what they need to hear. You can tell them, you know, that they need to, you know, be forgiven and that they need to, you know, once saved, repent of their sins and things like that. But you can't make them do it. If you can make them do that, I promise you somebody else can make them undo it. Because why? Because I was one of them. I was told years ago by my daddy, and God knows he meant well. It just come across wrong. I just got to where I was scared of hell. I've never known a single person that truly wants to go and be in hell. Nowhere. They may say they do. If they do, they're just blind. They don't know any better. They're ignorant. Okay? Um, so therefore I went and you know I made a profession of faith y'all have heard me testify about this before but because I just wanted what we call fire insurance that's what I wanted and I thought I had it for several years and I didn't which is really bad because those years were some of the darkest and worst years of my life when I literally would go do some of the things that Braden's friend's dad knew of because a lot of times he was there um, and thought I could just go home and just say, okay, Lord, you know, forgive me, and I go to sleep and go on. That ain't how it works, y'all. Um, I had that revealed to me in a way that I'll not mention here. It was in a very peculiar way. But that's when the wheels really started clicking and turning. It's like, wait a minute, something's not right. Something's not right. And it may have took, you know, a year or so, whatever, on down the road. But nonetheless, Holy Ghost yanked my chain, and I did actually get born again. I praise His name for that. But looking at some of this stuff, you know, um, riding drunkenness. I don't believe I need to, you know, go into drunkenness. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you've drunk half a fifth of Grey Goose. I mean, you know, it's not necessarily what that means. Not chambering and wantonness, you know, strife and envying just simply means, you know, a lot of times I jot this down as well, you know, constant manipulation. Is there anybody in here that actually wants to manipulate someone else? I hope not. Um, because that kind of falls right back to what we were just talking about. Manipulation, just it's dishonesty is what it is. Because you're trying to make someone else into something that they're truly not. But you're doing it in a way so that you're the one that gets the benefit from it. And that is as anti-God as it can possibly get. It's, it's greedy. It's prideful. It's... You know, and on down the list you can go with that but that's you know a lot of that stuff fits in and I mean I don't I don't know y'all ain't got a clock back there hallelujah for that but it, you can go in depth in depth as far as you want to in verse number 13 right there but I, I won't get in all the way with it go to verse 14 he says but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now think about this. What all has, I wrote down does, I don't know why I wrote does, but what all has Christ made available to his children? Give me something that the Lord Jesus Christ has not made available to his own that is going to benefit them somewhere down the road. I don't even have to add that on there, but I mean, I, I just am, just for conversation, if you will. Because the answer to that is nothing. You say, well, I'm going through such and such because I'm alone. No, you're not. You think you are. That's what the devil wants you to think. But you're not. If you're truly one of his, he's there with you in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the valley, in the middle of whatever it is you're there. You're not alone. There's been times in my life, honestly, I felt like I was the only person standing. And that goes, I'll be honest with y'all, that honestly, to me, there's been points that I thought not even my own kids wanted anything to do with me. And, you know, you say, Billy, that's kind of harsh. It's kind of rough. Well, the devil will get you in a place like that. And especially, let me make sure I get this out here as well. He will especially get those that think they're immune to it first. Why? Because you're so full of yourself that you think it's never going to happen. And guess what? You're the very first one it's going to happen to. Why? Because you just set yourself up for that fall. And that's just where that is. Um, but, you know, the, the things that Christ has made available to us, he's given us spiritual power. He's given us spiritual discernment. I honestly don't think discernment gets talked about and preached about nowhere near enough. I mean, try the spirits. You know, see if they're of God. You know, either they're going, and I'm paraphrasing, they're either going to tell you that Christ is Lord or they're going to tell you not. Anything that tells you that Christ is not Lord or leads you in that direction is not a spirit of God. But y'all, we have to be in tune enough with the Lord that we can discern these things, that we can know the difference. And, you know, like I said a minute ago, you know, there's going to be times you're going to miss interpret something you're going to get something wrong i've done it we've all done it. if you hadn't yet you will um but that's just you know it's one of those things that we really have no excuse for it because god has paved the way and given us everything we need he's given us victory over anything we can face he's given us the greatest victory of all y'all you understand that right the victory over death hell and the grave i mean that's what is there a greater gift that can be afforded to a human being greater than that? To know that you're never going to die. You're going to live forever. I mean, you know, that's just, not only are you going to live forever, but you're going to live forever with great benefits in a place that the half has not even been told yet. In a place that our minds can't even comprehend half of what's even there. The, the human mind is built wonderful things and you can get into mathematics as deep as you want to math is Braden's forte it is far from mine okay but people over time have figured out great things through mathematics but they can't even comprehend the things of God they can't do it they think they can but they can't um, and that's just where that is as well but faith and the one who hung on an old rugged cross. And y'all, that old song, to me, I don't know. It, I, I hope it never gets old to me. And, you know, there's, there's a verse, and it's actually the third verse. And me growing up Baptist all my life, Baptist is all I've ever known. Um, 
most of the time that third verse gets skipped over. And the one time I actually heard it saying, I like to have a come apart, if you will, because it just clicked with me what it was saying, but yet it had always been skimmed over my entire life. And it talks about Christ you know, being our substitution, what he did for us. It's not just about, you know, the cross. Yes, he did a wonderful thing up there for whosoever will, but that third verse makes it a bit personal for me. Talks about for me because it's wonderful to know that the, you know the Lord died for whosoever will, but when you get to thinking about that and you look at that cross up there, He died for you. Even if He didn't die for Marty or either one of y'all, He died for Billy, and He'd do it all over again if He had to. He'll never have to. I mean, that's you know Hebrews chapter nine tells us that. But you know He would. He would. Anyway, moving on. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that, with that comes along with, you know, we have a choice. God did not save, rebirth any of us. I'm really struggling with changing my terminology on that. I really am. I'm trying to get to where I'm saying born again instead of just saved. Um, he didn't rebirth any of us or redeem any of us to make robots. Y'all know that. I don't really have to repeat that. But when he says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, the choice there is you can either live like you know you want to, or you cannot. But one way or another, you will be conformed to him. If you are one of his, and I have to emphasize the if there, because you know there's going to be people that are going to go kicking and screaming. You say, that's not so, read your Bible. Not everybody is, you know, going out like Elijah did and, you know, in a blaze of glory and everything else. But, you know, we have choices that we make. But if you're saved, you're going to make it home, period. I don't care what anybody tells you, you're going to make it. But why would we not want to make it home with rewards on the other side? Does, I mean, I'm all for, you know, you know, giving people help and things like that. And I'm not even throwing off on welfare or nothing like that. But I don't want to be what some might term to be a welfare Christian. I don't want to get in just by the skin of my teeth. I want to be able to have a crown or two given to me so that I can lay it right back at his feet. I don't want to just get there and say, okay, I made it, hallelujah, I'm here. And just, you know, wipe the sweat off my brow because I just literally just barely made it. If that's your spiritual attitude, you need revival. Um, it just is. And I, I don't want to be that way, and hopefully no one else would want to be that way. And I can assure you that is not what we need to display to the world out there. They don't need to see people that are just happy getting by, saved, seated, and satisfied is what we often refer to it as. What the world needs to see is people that actually believe what they say and actually put feet into what they're talking about. They're not just talking about, oh, i got to go to church, or i got to do this. You don't got to do anything. You get to. I don't have to preach. I get to preach. I don't have to do pretty much anything but live and die, to be quite honest with you. But I want to do other things. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I want to be... You know, a, a good preacher, a good soldier, if you will, in the army of the Lord. That's the things that I want to be. I don't want to just skate by. But he says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. And watch what he goes on to say right here. Make not provision for the flesh. 
to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, you, you know, y'all, if you've been around me very long, you know my, my life verse of Romans 8.1. Um, talking about the condemnation that I no longer have, you know, because I'm not walking after the flesh. I'm doing my best to walk after the Spirit. Paraphrasing there. Um, but making provision for the flesh. People do it without even knowing that they're doing it. Now, you say, how can, how can a child of God do something that's wrong and him not know it? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we can tend to get to where we want our, you know, our foundations in a little too deep down here. Real subtly. Real subtle. Well, you know, I need to do this. Maybe I need to change my 401k contribution. Maybe I need to do this. You know what you're doing? Making provision for the flesh. I've done it. That's why I'm telling you this um, from personal experience. Well, I need to up it because, you know, I'm going to need, you know, I'll be honest with y'all. One of my grandpas, I mean, he's in heaven right now, no doubt in my mind, told me a long time ago, he said, Billy, do not even consider, and this is a man that had means, okay. Um, he said, Billy, do not ever think about retiring until you have everything that you, your house, vehicles, everything paid for. You're not in debt at all, and a minimum of two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars in the bank, or you won't make it. And I'm going, what? I mean, you know, I'm just getting started out. I mean, you know, a quarter million dollars. It's like I ain't gonna get that anyway. And he was a very godly man. He he made very wise, you know, financial decisions and things like that. Um, well, I'll just tell you, he, he was the manager of the REA for 30 years, okay? Um, but me looking back on that now, and I would never fault him for this, but there's also, there's wisdom in that, but there's also a lack of faith. And that just kind of goes to what I say, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there like it is. I love my grandpa, but... If you think you need a half a million dollars in the bank when you retire, you're not relying on the one who claimed that can hold your soul for all eternity. You're not. Um, I mentioned, I think it was, I don't know, last week sometime here before. Um, no, is that? Uh, anyway, talking about, you know, not having anything in the bank, nothing in savings, no money in checking, nothing, and going, okay, well, we're, uh, I'm really relying on you here, Lord. Well, guess what? Why wasn't you relying on him when you had $30,000 in checking? Why wasn't you relying on him when you had $50,000 in savings? There, there's a, probably a reason why you don't have that in savings right now, Billy. Because you wasn't relying on him at that point. And slowly over time, he's chipped away at it. And he's took it away from you to make you be more reliant on him. To make you have more faith and trust in him. Y'all, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of money. I'm just being honest with you, I don't. Um, but I ain't worried about it either. Not one bit. Um, as the man of the house, yes, it is my obligation to provide for my wife, to provide for my family. I don't have the best of backs. I don't have the best of, you know, some other things internally. But God still lets me work and earn a paycheck. And as far as I'm concerned, a good paycheck. Um... But, you know, me being worried about the bills being paid, no, I don't, not at all. Now, there may be a time that comes, you know, something needs to go, 
that way I can continue, you know, supporting missionaries and things like that. Like I agreed and said that I was going to do. That goes back all the way up there about the honesty part as well. Um, but, you know, the way I look at that is, okay, well, I had that, and at least now I've got the means to get rid of this or get rid of that to cover that. God blessed me with that, and now I can use it to cover that and keep going. Um, in 20, what is this, 2024, about 25, 26 years now of paying bills on my own, I've never missed a payment. I've never had a late payment on anything, nothing. And that go, 